new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com. New on CuriosityStream. How do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production? Could Napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future? And how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet? James Burke's visionary series, Connections, returns for a new generation. Experience all new Connections. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com. And we are live. Welcome to the MMA Strategy Show. It is Thursday, September 29th. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Pete the Heat Rogers. We are here to break down a UFC card. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, it's not exactly an illustrious card this week. Uh, I think we're off next week and then it's another not ideal card, but that's fine. I just want a fight card. That's all I'm looking for. Shout out to Prize Picks for being the sponsor of the video. Make sure you're hitting the like button, subscribing to the channel, hitting the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. It's incredible. We're going to talk about 13 different fights on this card. And the most interesting fight that we're going to talk about is the one that just got booked like 20 seconds ago. Bo Nickel uh, getting ready for later on this year. But let's just start here. Pete, what's going on? How are you? What is going on, everybody? What's up, Josh? Thanks for joining us again. Hopefully, one of these days we'll get an actual, uh, you know, talented card to break down and to have another strategy show together. Um, shout out to Jason. Hope hopefully yeah. he's doing all right down there, dealing with the hurricane and all of that. I know he was trying to, you know, navigate through and make it to the show, but uh, yeah, I mean, the weather had other plans, and uh, hopefully he's all right down there, and maybe he'll be back for Saturday. We will have to see. But, uh, you know, thankfully we have Josh filling in. I'm going to do my best. I feel like one of the fighters on this card, like completely unqualified to be here. Doesn't seem like I should be talking about it at all. That's where we're at. But we've got the data at stochastic.com that will help out tremendously. Um, data that we didn't necessarily have for every single fight so far. We just got salaries uh, for one of the fights on DK. So that one's going to be a little bit more difficult for at least for me to talk to because I haven't run any crunches with that fight included won't matter all that much. There are some fights here that I think are going to be really exciting to talk about from a DFS perspective. So it's, it's not as bad as it seems. It's just a little short on name value. It, it, it's not the biggest draw card in the world, but still some good fights. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. Um, there's some intriguing matchups, um, a lot of volatile matchups. So that, that could be, that could make for some nice GPP lineups and GPP considerations. Um, you know, I, I, don't really love the main event. I'm a big Mackenzie Dern fan. Um, I think that her ground skills are unparalleled, and I, I I don't think that's any secret. It's just a matter of if she can get the fight to the mat. And then outside of that, man, it's just riddled with weird fights. I mean, <laughs> probably the, the fight that I'm looking forward to the most is Mike Davis against uh, Slava Claus because I know that's going to be a banger. It's going to be fun. Let's, uh, let's just dive into it. If you're here, hit the like button. If you're here later, also hit the like button. Let's kick it off. We're going to talk Mackenzie Dern. 
We're going to talk. I'm going to go with Jan because uh, there's no chance I'm going to go with that other name, uh, her other name. My apologies. Uh, it's just hard. There's a lot of letters that don't normally go together in my uh, general speech pattern. Mackenzie Dern, 9,100. Uh, so a payup option, like 69% to win. We got our 43% to be top six. I ran a crunch a little bit over the field on Dern because we've got a couple salaries north of Dern at 9,100. Let's just open it up in general. What are you seeing in this fight? How does this look for you? Because I am, as you mentioned, like you started it off. I'm a big Mackenzie Dern fan. She's uh, someone I want to succeed because the ground game is truly exceptional. It's it's on a different level than most. And when it comes to just having a skill set that is ultra elite, I'm always interested in seeing how those types of people do. Yeah, I, I love witnessing specialists kind of climb the rankings um, because they're so dominant in one area of the sport. And that's, that's what you get with Mackenzie, Mackenzie Dern, one of the best, if not the best grappler inside the UFC throughout male, female divisions. I, I'm being serious. Like she's absolutely phenomenal. And, um, you know, she's so quick to find a finish once it gets to the mat. Her issue is her, you know, lackluster wrestling and takedown attempts. Uh, I do think that if I was a coach of hers, I would be hiring some of the best um, wrestling coaches and takedown artists out there to really refine those skills so it can complement her strengths. The issue is going to be here against Yan Xiaonan is how Yan's probably going to be the better minute winner. And she's going to be on the outside having uh, more volume on the feet, which Mackenzie Dern's, you know, she's improving. Her, her striking is developing, but it's not her A game. She's going to strike just enough to open up her opponent so that she can go in there and try to get her to the mat. Um, you know, and, and I do think that Jan's volume could pose problems for Mackenzie Dern, as we have seen in the past. But 25 minutes is so much time for Mackenzie Dern to get the fight to the mat one time. And it can happen in multiple ways. She doesn't even have to land a takedown. She can catch a kick. Uh, Jan can give up her back standing. Um, she, Mackenzie Dern can call, pull guard, sweep from her back, submit from her back. There's just so many paths to victory for Mackenzie Dern once it hits the mat. That is hard for me not to back her here. Now, the price point at 9,100, I think, is completely fair because if Jan has developed her, her ground game enough, perhaps this elevates Mackenzie's takedown totals. Um, you know, and, and we, we did see a glaring hole in Jean Nouns' game when she fought Carla Esparza, who's much more of a dominant wrestler, less of a submission threat. But I have to tell you, like, when, as far as, like, elementary mistakes, Jan Jean-Nan was making every single one. And, uh, you know, if Mackenzie gets the fight to the mat, she's going to cut through her ground game like a hot knife through butter. So 9,100, completely fine with it. My only issue is if, like, she struggles in rounds one and two or something like that, and then in round three, four, and five ends up finding the submission. But I, I think she's just in a great spot. Yeah, and you would expect, at the very least, Mackenzie Dern going to rack up a lot of ground control time if it gets there and she can't find the sub. She's going to have the controlling position yeah. that much. I can guarantee whether whether she can find the sub or not is one thing, but she will control on the ground. That there's no other way around that. It would be shocking. Minus one ten for Dern to win via submission. That seems to be out there at most books. Uh, not a ton of lines fully out there yet. Uh, fight doesn't go to, to to decision. Wow, a lot of D's in a row there for that one. Uh, on FanDuel is minus two twenty. So it's looking like you know Dern round three, Dern round four mm -hmm. is the the most likely outcome here, and that would likely be by submission. Do you like the path here 
to go for any sort of underdog play at 7,100, pulling a ton of ownership right now. Now, all of this data is subject to change. We are adding, there's going to be another fight added to this data. So some of these numbers are going to move around a lot, but 47% ownership here coming in, that seems pretty healthy to me. I'm not likely to get a ton. And I think that this is a main event spot where I'm probably not going to have like a lot of the times I'm going to have a hundred percent of the main event or at least somewhere near it. This doesn't feel like that kind of spot. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm okay with getting away from the main event. Um, and I do think 47% is completely aggressive. Now I made a, a rule for us basically to follow uh, or like a guideline where, you know, always consider women's MMA underdogs and heavyweight MMA underdogs because of the volatility and the variance within those fights. Now with Yan Xiao Nan styles make fights. If she's able to keep it on the feet, of course, she can have success. It's just like you're going to be sitting on the edge of your seat, hoping that if it even hits the mat, if she can absolutely do everything correct, one mistake and it's over. So like, I I think 47% is a little too rich. I get it just because of how women's MMA tends to be, but it, it comes down to, do you believe Mackenzie Dern is for real? Do you think that she's going to keep rising up the ranks or do you think she's a busted prospect and there's no reason for me to think that she's a busted prospect. I mean, she's coming off of uh, Hannah Cypher's win, Randa Marcos win, Verna Janaroba, talented submission artist, Nina Ansaroff, who actually, you know, submission win. Uh, decision lost to Marina Rodriguez, who looks like an animal. And then a, uh, a win over Tisha Torres. So her strength, her strength of schedule has been pretty decent. I'm not trying to get off the Mackenzie Dern hype train at all, to be honest. And I think this is a, a nice little leverage spot for a 9100 fighter. Do you remember that Dern Torres fight? Do you remember what side you had there? Because that was pretty split. MMA decisions has the media scores basically split down the center. I don't really remember it. So I'd be, I wouldn't I, be the best reference yeah, here. I don't, I don't really recall either. Um, I, I thought it was probably going to be a really close fight and it, and it was obviously it was a split. Um, I'd have to go back, but yeah. I think that Tisha, you know, is a tougher test in a way than Yan Shaunan just because of her wrestling ability and how she's more well-rounded than Yan Jan-An. Like, Yan makes really, really elementary mistakes on the mat. And I, I cannot state that enough. When I went back and I watched Carla Esparza fight, I'm like, that's a submission win for Mackenzie Dern all day long if that situation occurs. And a lost, or like Tisha Torres isn't exactly dropping fights to people that are strangers. It's it's Rose. It's right. Jessica Andrade. It's Joanna. It's Whaley. Like, it's, it's Marina Rodriguez. It's everybody with an actual name uh, that can be there. She's just, it's not the worst uh, split decision in the world. Anything else we need to touch on here for the main event? I mean, not really. I mean, I'll have some, I'll have some uh, shares of Yan Shaunan. I'll probably be in the 20% range just because of uh, the variance of women's MMA, the five round potential, even in a loss, if this somehow is a banger and it goes five rounds, you could have a fighter at 7,100 sneak into the optimal lineup. Uh, I'm not really, you know, trying to get too much. And I'd rather, you know, sprinkle elsewhere because I think that there's a ton of other underdogs that can come through this week. Interesting fight. Uh, Unrelated, but slightly related. Why do you think uh, the event is closed? Because apparently the Zuckerberg rumor has been, well, was shut down by Dana White yesterday. Uh, We'll know if Mark Zuckerberg's just sitting cage set with nobody else. I have no idea. I mean, that's what I heard as well, to be honest. So, um, who knows? And then it could have been like a, 
you know, I don't know it, when it comes down to money and uh, you, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but yeah. from everything I heard, it was true about the Zuckerberg thing. So um, who knows? It, it could have been asking too much that the closing it off to the MMA media, I think is the strangest thing. So yeah, uh, outside of a social media platform or something that can, you know, boost their business. I, I don't know why that you would close it off. No part of it makes sense to me. I don't get it. Yeah. And the weirdest part about Zuckerberg trying to do this is just like, why this card? Yeah, bro. Like <laughs> do it to something else. I mean, this card needs all the help in the world. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I would not want to want to watch this. Maybe he's the biggest Mackenzie Dern fan out there. Who knows? Uh, that would, that's one guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. May, uh, maybe, maybe it's a China thing. Yeah. Maybe it's a big Yan thing. Who knows? Yeah. Could I got be. nothing here. I got nothing. No, just but I'll tell you the co-main event. I mean, yeah, from let's get a, into it. a fighter that I really like, Randy Brown, much more excited to talk about him than uh, some of these other fights. Are you as excited to talk about Francisco Trinaldo as well, who I feel like has been in the UFC since I was born? Complete anomaly. He, he's, he's just doing things that shouldn't be doing. Like he should not be doing at his age. And no. um, it's quite remarkable how relevant he is in 2022 despite being one of the oldest, if not the oldest fighters inside the UFC and having, you know, a ton of success. He's 28 and eight overall. And now mm -hmm. you're talking about going up against Randy Brown, who, in my opinion, is one of the fighters on the upward trajectory within the division and, and could contend for the title one day. Like, I really think that Randy Brown has the skills. He's really good. Yeah. Ronaldo is no joke. And getting rid of him in the cage is not exactly something that people do with any sort of regularity. It's generally a decision. Kevin Lee was able to sub him. That was five plus years ago at this point. Not getting a lot of other finishes elsewhere. So, like, if you want this win, you got to work for it. Does that make Randy Brown more difficult to want a roster, knowing how tough it is to get Trinaldo out of there? I will tell you that father times undefeated, but Trinaldo seems like it, that is a myth. Um, this could be one of the best leverage spots. I, I mean, because I think everybody's thinking the same thing about Trinaldo of how tough he's, he is to, you know, put away. I think we're seeing decent ownership to Randy Brown, but whenever you see a fighter at 9,300, you tend to see more ownership than what we're, we're kind of looking at right now. So I'm thinking to, in my head, you know, everybody's expecting Trinaldo to be able to survive. And I do think that if you, you look at his record a little bit closer, Dwight Grant, not really the biggest fan, split decision, low volume. Danny Roberts, not really the biggest fan. Salikov went, uh, Salikov lost. You know, Salikov has looked decent, but I, I can really go throughout his record. And yeah, he's picking up wins over, you know, lower level, decent level competition. But I think Randy Brown is a uh, big step up in competition with, who he's been going against. So yeah, I think the range of Randy Brown, the size of Randy Brown and the versatility that he possesses could actually pose problems. And, and he could actually get Francisco Trinaldo out there. And I, that might be a hot take because nobody's expecting it, but I really think that Randy Brown's going to knock out Trinaldo. I, I don't know mm -hmm. why um, on paper, it looks like I'm completely wrong. I just have this <laughs> gut feeling that Randy Brown knocks him out. Uh, it's like, Best line you could find out there is like plus 240. You can get plus 300 if you, you know, you're looking to actually bet it. But somewhere in that plus 250 to plus 300 range to win by uh, TKO or KO is out there. That's not crazy. Fight um, 
goes to decision is pretty close to a coin flip. So the betting market says, you know, you can see that kind of finish at some point in time, father time is going to catch up to Francisco Trinaldo. Could that be right now? Certainly possible. Pulling was pulling about 25% ownership here. Trinaldo is actually pulling 20. Do you, how do you see those numbers? If they're going to maintain, do, do you see an obvious stand that you want to take here? Well, I will tell you, if you disagree with me and you think that it goes 15 minutes, why wouldn't you get to Trinaldo yeah. um, at, at such a low salary? Um, he has shown to be competitive throughout. Um, he seems to be able to take certain shots. He's well-rounded. And Randy Brown, I thought, was going to have a stronger performance than and what he did in his previous one against uh, Chaos Williams. It was a split decision. I think Chaos is pretty talented, but... I just view Randy Brown in such high regard that I thought he was going to either take him down or, or hurt him pretty similar. How I think that, you know, he's going to have success against Francisco Trinaldo. I just think 6,900 price tag. It's, it comes down to, do you agree with the odds? Do you think yeah. that Trinaldo warrants being such a, a long underdog, or do you think that the fight's closer? If you think the fight's closer, 6,900 looks like exceptional value. So 20% I'd be getting to it to uh, pay up for some other options. I guess the real question, and I'm looking at his past scores in some wins, 72, 63, 89, uh, 52, 50. Can he do enough? I mean, if to go to Trinaldo, you're kind of thinking we're going to need a lot of favorites to win yep, and we're going to need a lot of decisions. Because yeah, if we start getting the, the, the moment there's an underdog finish, Trinaldo's probably dead in the water at that point. Like he's, he's got an uphill battle because he just does not accumulate. Yeah. You win the fight pretty easily. Maybe not pretty easily, but you know what I mean? But to get to that score and that's why we're seeing his top six score so low because he just has not put up any sort of DFS scoring. Yeah. And I think that's a great tool to look at because um, if you're expecting Trinaldo to get a hundred, hundred points, I mean, go play the lottery. I'm not expecting that. Um, I, I think that squeaking out a decision is fine. Getting in the 60 point range is doable. He's done it multiple times. It just comes down to the other fights and at the price point, it could make it into the optimal lineup depending on the other performances. But as you mentioned, we just need all the other underdogs to basically fail for that to kind of work. Um, And if it's a low scoring card, if it's a high scoring card, you could forget about 60, 70 points. He's just not going to be a part of it. So um, it's a Randy Brown play for me. Yeah. But as far as like 20%, I, I will definitely have probably half of that just because I, I like Trinaldo um, okay. a little bit more than what the odds are saying. Anything else you want to touch on for Brown and Trinaldo? No, not really. Um, some other 9,000 options I'm intrigued about. Uh, but th- this is, uh, you know, it, it should be a Randy Brown win. Like this is a Randy Brown showcase fight in a way because if you are what we think you are, you should be able to get a dominant win over Trinaldo, whether you get them out of there or not. Let's hit on the quick uh, two super chats, both from Samuel Campana said, first one is congratulations to Pete on the baby. Congratulations, man. Thank you, bro. I, Thank I you. saw the, I saw the tweet. Thank it's you. Exciting. Yeah. Super exciting. Super exciting thing. Life-changing news, but uh, super exciting. We are, we are pumped. Obviously our parents are pumped as well. And yeah, uh, I can't wait. It's, it's perfect. Perfect timing. Highly recommend the name Josh. Just putting yeah. it out there. Like and Tyler saying the same thing too. Yep. Ah. We're not gonna have to worry <laughs> I didn't about even that. See it. I didn't not gonna have to worry about it. that. I'm having a baby girl, so uh, uh, unless uh, I, I don't think we could twist Josh or Tyler into a into a girl. I, I mean, look, soon enough, it's Tyler. not gonna matter. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. 
And then uh, he also wants to know uh, how many cups of coffee am I on today? Over under four and a half. So here's the problem. The answer technically probably would have been the over. I don't know if we're counting decaf, which is the way that I started my day, but I had a dentist appointment earlier today. And my reward after the dentist appointment was to stop by the Starbucks that's next to it. I got a very tall, real coffee. So it's, under four and a half if we're talking about like caffeinated brew for just talking coffee in general over four and a half new on curiosity stream how do you connect a 16th century potato to limitless energy production could napoleon's toothpick have a direct link to a machine that predicts the future and how can a 1700s conch shell chart a course to humans connecting their brains to the internet james burke's visionary series connections returns for a new generation Experience all new connections with monthly annual and bundled plans. Find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Damn, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's still early. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're up grinding early anyway, so it makes sense. Yeah. But uh, I've had, had like 40 something ounces of coffee today. Good Lord. Yeah, <laughs> but the the first twenty were decaf, so that's, that's just a minute for the a minute for the. Flavor. I think I think the under hits on that. I, I think the under betters would be fine. I think so too. All right, let's try. Let's talk uh, Barcelos and Jones. Nine yeah. K for Ronnie Barcelos, seventy two hundred for Trevin Jones. Uh, pretty flat from an ownership perspective. Twenty eight percent on our original run and twenty percent for Jones. Uh, let's just kick it off with the favorite here. What do you see for Barcelos? I mean, I like Barcelos. I've been a guy who's who has always, um, you know, talked about Barcelos as having the skills to contend for the title one day or, you know, be in the top 10. But, you know, he had some of his best fights earlier on within his UFC career and prior to the UFC. And you, you do start to see wear and tear on a lot of these athletes, you know, and he's coming off back to back disappointing performances losing a majority decision to Timor Valiev and then a unanimous decision to Victor Henry, both of which he scored 52 and 59. So what does that tell you is he scores a ton of points regardless of the outcome. Um, and I think it's because he's so dangerous everywhere. He throws with high volume. He is one of the best credentialed jiu-jitsu practitioners out there as well. He can wrestle really well, which is what we want from a DFS perspective. We don't always want KO guys because if they don't find it, it's a bust. Uh, we like to find grapplers on the card. And despite his opponent, um, Trevin Jones, having a, a wrestling background and picking up some very, very fluky wins, uh, having an overturned knockout win in his debut, short notice debut against Timor Valiev, following that up with another knockout over Mario Batista, two of the most talented fighters within the division, and then losing to Sayed Yokob, uh, Kakramanov, and Javid Bashrat. It's like, okay, well, what is he? Is he... Um, is he talented? Is he a fraud? Is where they fluky wins? I've been saying that they were fluky wins for a while. And then when he, you know, followed, followed up the team or Valley of fight with the Mario Batista performance, I'm like, am I an idiot? Or is this another <laughs> like, did the lightning strike twice? And I really felt like lightning struck twice. He hits really hard. So anytime you hit really hard, 
in MMA with the small gloves, anything can happen. Um, but he hits like exceptionally hard for the bantamweight division, which is why he's always live to pull the upset. So 7,200, I don't hate it from like a, uh, you know, pulling off, you know, a, a crazy knockout perspective for Trevin Jones. But as far as being the better minute winner and just dominating throughout 15 minutes, I think it's going to be Howney Barcelos. Uh, this is a guy who has looked, you know, career worse in his past two performances, but this could be a buy low spot for me. And I, I know it's 90, you know, 9,000 flat, not really the best salary. I was hoping he was like 8,700 or something. And I was going to be over the field. I still think that 28% is right where it should be. To be honest, I, I will probably be level with the field just because of his exceptional skills and finishing ability. And even if he can't find the finish, how dominant he can be and pick up massive wins. 110 over Kurt Hollibaugh, 113 over Gutierrez, Huachin 111, and then 95 against Khalid Taha. The only time that he performed poorly in a win was against Syed Nurmagomedov, who's an absolute stud, and he yeah. scored 63. So I'm willing to go over the field or stay neutral with the ownership for uh, Barcelos. Yeah, they both are pretty close to their top six odds. So generally speaking, that probably means you're in and around where you should be from an ownership perspective. Uh, Barcelos is plus 360 to win by TKO or KO. Uh, the next best line in terms of a finish is actually Jones at plus 600 by TKO or KO. Uh, fight to go to a decision is pretty close to a coin flip, a little bit of a lean towards going to a decision. I think it's just one of those fights where you really wouldn't be surprised to see any sort of outcome pop up here. Yep. Like the ownership is kind of flat. It meets the top six odds. I, I don't even like, I, I don't see anything really actionable from a DFS perspective that I would want to touch on. I kind of like all of it. Yeah. I just like the fight. And yeah. whenever I like the fight, both sides of it, because I think it's going to be high scoring. I like to go to uh, stochastic.fantasycruncher.com, create a group and, uh, you know, prioritize getting to this matchup. And I do think that it's going to be, Fantasy points galore, um, volatile, but I, I do really like the Hounie Barcelo side a little bit more. Okay. Anything else you want to touch on here? No, not really. All righty. Well, we will talk quickly. Schedule for the rest of the day. Coming up at 2.30, we've got the No House Advantage Thursday night football show. Then MLB Live Before Lock kicks off at 5.30. That will be myself and Adam Share. Uh, NFL Deeper Dive, it is Thursday, so we've got Thursday night football tonight. Dolphins and Bengals, 6 30 for the deeper dive, 7.30 for live before lock. So two straight hours of NFL coverage. And if you're looking for any free content today, our MLB projections are free for you. Head on over to stochastic.com to check them out. Uh, next one is, is an interesting fight to talk about. Uh, slight disparity in the odds. Uh, Sadiq Youssef at 9,500 is like 90% to win this one against I'm going to go with Don Shanus. Is yep, that correct? Right. Yep. Oh, there we go. Nailed it. Um, 6,700 here for Shanus. Not exactly projected well in any facet of this one. Top six odds, ownership, what have you. Yusef looks like an auto win. Will he be able to pay off the price tag? I'll tell you, it's not an auto win. And, Ooh, I like it. Uh, yeah, it's not an auto win. Um, Don Shanus coming from Massachusetts. I know I know of him pretty decently well. Okay. Um, He is a very good wrestler and a fighter that can actually bite down on the mouthpiece and brawl with you. Now, okay. I will say that the skill gap from a striking perspective is uh, significant. I, I do think that Sadiq is the cleaner 
more technical fighter on the feet. He's more of a technician, whereas Don Shanus can make up for some of that skill by being a brawler and being aggressive. And sometimes aggressiveness wins. If you put somebody on the back foot and you can just start throwing bombs at them, they have to respect your striking to a point, which can also open up your takedowns. So I do think that Sadiq Youssef being a pretty talented UFC fighter should clearly be the favorite. But I don't think that minus 900 is warranted, I have to tell you. And uh, this is not bias. This is not New England bias because I think Don Shanus is what he is. He's going to go out there and fight for the for the uh, UFC you know, contract, for, for the UFC bonus. He's already in the UFC, but he wants to make his mark for sure. So um, he's also trained out of James Krause's gym. So he's no longer just staying in the – in the new England scene. He's been training with James Krause for a decent amount of time now and uh, picked up two regional belts, two different weight classes. This is not $6,700 does not reflect his skill. It reflects the opportunity against a UFC veteran where Sadiq has fought um, Andre Feely, Gabriel Benitez, Arnold Allen, Alex Caceres, like pretty notable names. And then you look at Don Shane you're like, who the hell has he fought? He's fought a guy who's like 16 and a hundred in Jay Ellis, but <laughs> that's just how it is. Sometimes like you don't want to fight these fights or fighters, but when, you know, fighters back out or they miss weight, the promotion scrambles and they just try to keep you on the card. So like, you know, JLS took that fight against Don Shanus just to keep him on the card. And, you know, I, I will tell you that, you know, it, he should probably be like a minus 500 favorite, but okay. approaching minus 1000 is just a little too rich. I, I do think that CD will probably get the win here. Um, but like Shane is even in a loss, even in a loss, 6,700 can land takedowns, can be aggressive, can squeak out some rounds. So, um, I, I mean, I think that the, you know, the salaries are just, we're, we're talking about Hamzat Shemaev one week at being 9,500. <laughs> are we going to roster Hamzat, Hamzat Shemaev or not? And then now all of a sudden here in, uh, end of September, we're talking Sadiq Youssef at 9,500. I mean, they, you can't really relate the two. So I will always say that Sadiq Youssef should be priced lower in comparison to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a Sadiq Youssef win, but the pricing's wrong. Shanus is, what's Shanus's path to victory? If you see him winning this fight, what, what is he doing to do that? He needs to put, um, he needs to put Sadiq Youssef on, on the cage and, and take him down. And okay. it's not like a, a striking underdog has a limited ceiling. A grappling underdog, I think, has such a higher ceiling and even a, a higher floor too just because of, you know, the points, they land a couple of takedowns, they get some top control, they, you know, and I, I really think that, you know, you could do worse as a complete long shot. I don't think he's going to get the win because I, I do think that city Youssef will probably hit him with some big shots and hurt him. But from a scoring perspective, like I'm, I, I'm telling you, he's, he's surrounded by pretty good, pretty good fighters at, at his camp. It's just, you know, the UFC label is attached to CD Youssef and the New England scene is attached to Don Shanus. Do you like Shanus more than Trinaldo? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. I from mean, if a, that ownership our... holds, then it's, it, to me, it's a no question. And yeah. I, I assume Shanus comes in at like the 4% range or something from like a, that. You From a score perspective, I think from a um, probability perspective, it's a Trinaldo, but from yeah. like... If he wins, he's a boom bust play, complete boom bust play down there at the bare minimum. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah when I saw.
information on the back end that could set me straight in whatever I'm thinking just by <laughs> when I open up that top six or the top fighters tool and you just take a look at it and you're like, oh God, this is going to be a mauling. But like, so uh, the, the line that we want to look at here, Yusef by TKO or KO is around minus 140, minus yep. 150, somewhere in that neighborhood. So we're talking a coin flip to finish via strikes. The question then becomes, can he do it quick enough or does he do it at like the minute one mark and all of a sudden he hasn't really had enough volume and all of a sudden you're not paying off 9,500? Right. Like, I mean, if I had to like pick how I think the fight's going to go, I think Sadiq's either, I think Sadiq will probably knock him out. Yeah. But 9,500, if he doesn't get the quick win bonus, it's like, okay, there's probably going to be some other fighters that pay off their salaries, have close to the same score. Um, and Don's going to test you if he doesn't get knocked out early. So uh, I, I don't think that 95, you know, 9,200, okay. 9,500, you're starting to, you know, box yourself out. And it's a little restrictive from a construction standpoint. Is there anything else that we should be touching on here for this one? This is an interesting fight. Very, the rostering of Don Shanus will be uh, something that I'll take a very close look at for the higher level pros to see how they're using him to be different because I expect him to be the lowest owned fighter on the card. Yeah. So I will tell you, and um, just trying to draw parallels between some fights, uh, you, Howney Barcelos in his most recent fight fought Victor Henry. And if I'm not mistaken, Victor Henry was 60 something hundred and Howney Barcelos was 9,300. And I was saying almost the same thing that the price did not reflect Victor Henry's skills. And sure enough, Howney Barcelos went in there, had a very competitive fight, but ended up losing a decision to a 60 something hundred fighter. And that if you were aggressive to the ownership, even if you double it, say he comes in at 3% ownership and you just get the 6%, you know, you're going to have more options and more, more lineups with the, you know, top percentage of trying to get to the top, even though if it's a, the most boom bust play there is. So that's where I'm okay with just taking an aggressive standpoint and doubling or tripling the field. All righty. Move on to fight number five here. John Castaneda and Daniel Santos, uh, 8,800 and 7,400 here, a, a more balanced fight. Uh, we're talking six, we have it 65% for Castaneda to win this one. Um, pulling about 27% ownership on the opposite side here though. Santos, Per our data, just 8% owned in the projected ownership, a much higher chance of being a top six fighter. So we're starting to find one of the spots where I'm likely to be over the field here. When I see that top six number get a lot higher than the ownership, I generally think that's going to be one of my underdogs that I'm a little heavier on. But talk to me about Castaneda. Talk to me about Santos. What do you see for this fight? Yeah, and I think that makes sense because it comes down to if Santos wins, how does he win? And you go back and you look at his his record, he finds finishes at a decent clip. Um, so if he's going to do it, I think it happens early. Some round one potential. But as far as a skill standpoint and a matchup standpoint, I think that John Castaneda is going to get this done. Um, I, I think at 19 and five, despite, you know, leaving his chin out there at times, you know, coming off of back-to-back wins over Eddie Wineland. Okay, you could throw the Wineland one out the door. I guess Wineland's washed. But then picking up a nice uh, third round finish over Miles Johns, who hits really hard, has phenomenal wrestling, has picked up devastating wins in his own right. I mean, he's the guy that knocked out Anderson Dos Santos, Kevin Natividad. Um, I think that John Castaneda is a very firm 
win this week, to be honest. I just think that, you know, I haven't seen enough out of, you know, Willie Cat Santos to want to get behind him outside of looking at the ownership and saying, yeah, that's low. And, uh, you know, I, I'll probably get a little bit more than, than what the 8% is saying. But from a matchup standpoint, I, I think Castaneda has the power. I think Castaneda has the ground game. I just think he's going to have it all. And he's more proven over 15 minutes. So 8,800 could be that salary that's kind of lost in the shuffle. I say that the, the top end 800, you know, 8,000 is sometimes glossed over. And that's where I like to, you know, get a little bit more aggressive with my plays just so that I can uh, have a little leverage on the field. Prop market looks interesting here. Uh, Castaneda with the clear edge on the ground is like, uh, you know, call it like plus 650 to plus 750 to finish by submission where Santos is at like plus 1500. But the TKO KO odds are pretty close. Santos yeah. at like plus 500, Castaneda at like plus 400. That's where if this thing turns into a little bit of a firefight, you could be buying a, a cheaper knockout potentially with Santos at 7,400. We have him with 15% odds of being a top six fighter, 8% ownership. I love that. Very curious to see how that ends up changing as we get all the way up to Saturday because all of that top six data, all of that ownership data, that's going to be in flux all the way until Saturday when the lines start moving after weigh-ins, when everything starts to get finalized, when all the betting lines, when all the late money starts to come in. That's when we want to take that final look. But for right now, Santos is a guy at 7,400 that I'm – at least keeping my eye on as one of my preferred pay down options. I got a couple others that I'm liking a little bit more, but for right now, that's got, that's a spot that I'm putting a little bit of a bullet on. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't hate it by any means. I think that Santos probably is better than what he showed in his debut against Julio Arce. Um, I do think that Castaneda is a really tough test for him to be honest, but I, I think that the 8% is kind of automatically assuming he's just going to come in and, and drop another, uh, drop another fight in the UFC. And, uh, you know, we have seen plenty of fighters bounce back from poor performances in their debut. You can chalk up poor debuts to nerves a lot of times. And, uh, you know, also just kind of adjusting to the big show. So I like Castaneda um, from an ownership perspective. I can see where Daniel Santos is going to be uh, one of the guys I'll be circling. But, yeah, I'm excited for the fight. It's a bantamweight bout that, you know, should be pretty action-packed. Let's get to this next one. This is a fight that I have a ton of right now. Mike Davis, and I'm going with Borshev. I'm going to just skip the first name as I have for a couple of these other people. <laughs> Vyashlav, something yep. like that. Yep. I don't, so, I should know these names better. That's Those are way more my people, but uh, it's, I'm not great. These pronunciations are killing me here. I've got a ton of Mike Davis. I've got a ton of Borshev as well. You wanted to talk about this one earlier. Hit me with it. What are you seeing for this one? 8,600 and 7,600. Yeah, this fight's a banger. It really is. And uh, pretty similar to the, you know, the Honey Barcelos, Trevin Jones fight. I think this fight scores well. I really do. So on stochastic.fantasycruncher.com, I will be creating a group because I think this is a, a banger of a matchup with two talented strikers. Mike Davis possesses some takedown, some sneaky takedown upside as well. I think that he can wrestle really well. Um, it comes down to how does he look when, you know, in 2022, his last performance was over Mason Jones, where he scored 90 points against a very, very talented fighter. But that was back in 2021. And we have seen uh, Slava Claus, um, you know, look really good in his debut against Dakota Bush. And sure enough, the Achilles heel that I was worried about all along that I thought, you know, you know, Borshev, is possibly a uh, an overblown prospect. It showed 
you know, his Achilles heel was on full display against Mark Chikasi, who took him to take down City. I think Mark Chikasi scored like 150 points or something stupid in a three-round fight of how many takedowns he had. So the, the path to victory for Mike Davis is contend on the feet and mix in some takedowns. And we have seen him do that. Uh, he went three of nine in the takedown department against Mason Jones. And I'll tell you what, Mason Jones has a better ground game and better wrestling than Slava Claus Borshev. So 8,600 might be one of my favorite plays on the slate just because I think that he is so, so talented. And he could even knock out Borshev, and I wouldn't be surprised. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. But on the flip side, if Borshev can keep this on the feet, or get back to his feet as he did on the, on the contender series. He has some really, really dyna- dynamite in his hands and dynamic striking. Um, it's a fight that I, I don't expect to, to uh, you know, go the distance. If it does, I'm still expecting a massive score. So I'm picking Mike Davis, but I just love the fight in general. And it's going to be one of the most popular fights, I would imagine, just from a yeah. violent standpoint. Yeah, I'm looking at ownership right now, and it seems pretty pretty popular and it's warranted and i am absolutely fine with both of their ownerships highest paced fight in yep. our data right now the second highest fight projection behind the main event the main event is always going to be first unless there's just other five round fights because two extra rounds is going to make the difference davis by tko or ko is like plus 250 uh Borshev by tko or ko is like plus 350 those are the two paths to victory here. That's sort of what it's saying. Uh, fight doesn't go to the to decision is the favorite in this spot. These guys are going to go out there and throw hands, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see. And that's why this is the type of fight that I'm trying to get a bunch of. On the first run that I had, like I'm not holding these numbers the, days away. 56% to Mike Davis. He ended up being my second most exposed fighter, and I still got to 30% of Borshev as the potential underdog. Second most exposed fight overall for me. I love it. It, This just, this is the kind of fight you're trying to, this is the kind of fight that you wish that you could have as like the final fight if you're sweating something because it should just be complete fireworks. Yeah, 100%. It kind of, I mean, completely different, but like I remember when Gaethje and and, uh, Charles Oliveira was the main, you know, when they were fighting, I was like, I had all of it. You know, I I didn't care. Obviously the extra rounds and I just had all of it. There was like no way I thought that fight wasn't optimal. 
yeah, it was, you know what you're about to see sometimes. And there's not really a ton of paths out here without these guys just letting it sail. That's always exciting to me. Oh, yeah. Not as exciting as this night next fight, (laughs) unless you got more for Davis and Borshev. No, I mean, I just from a you know a striker standpoint, I I just can't wait to watch it, and I think that Mike Davis is going to just blend everything together beautifully, and this could be one of the best performances of his career. Um, he just has to be careful because Borshev yeah. taking it on you know on short notice. We'll we'll have to see coming in, but you know the paths to victory are definitely there. Ilya Latifi, Alexio Linick, a fight that you feel like probably happened five separate times in the UFC at this point, too. Just two guys that have been around for ages now. Uh, Latifi, 8,700. Alexio Linux, 7,500. Alexio Linux has lunch boxes for hands. He's oh, yeah. an old man that will strangle you from anywhere. I, I love the idea of this fight. It might, it, it's, it's not going to be like the most fun visual fight between these two guys, but I just love these two dudes. Yeah, I, I really do as well. I mean, nine and seven for Alexi Olenek, eight and six for Alir Latifi inside the UFC. And, um, you know, Alexi Olenek, he's not a bad striker. He, he's really not. Um, he's wild. He hits hard. It's not his best skill set, clearly. It's his crazy unorthodox submission skill set where, you know, he's able to just find chokes from from odd angles and uh, Ezekiel chokes from everywhere. The issue here is I really don't think Alir Latifi has a neck to choke. So I don't <laughs> understand, and I'm being serious, and I think everybody's talking about the same thing. It's like, okay, well, how do you choke this man? I don't know how you choke this man. I think you have to go to some other skill set. I actually have a fighter who has, like, literally no neck as well. So I, I know when I'm going against him in training of how, like, yeah, I, mean, I ain't going for my guillotines. I got to go for something else. And I think that's what's going to happen with Alexi Olenek here is, he can find other ways to find the submission win. And I made the rule, and I think we're going to stick to it every single week. Do not discount or count out any underdogs in heavyweight MMA. You just can't. In women's MMA and heavyweight MMA, one big shot, one of those lunch boxes, as you say, lands, and it's over. Um, and I, I think that the odds are always just too wide because you think you know what's going to happen. And then you don't take into consideration the cardio standpoint for heavyweight MMA. Latifi can go out there, completely gas himself, whether he's trying to keep the fight on the feet or implement takedowns. And next thing you know, old man Olenek is going to come from behind and pick up a win. I mean, he picked up a win over Fabricio Verdum. So, like, and I'm pretty sure I called that one years Mm -hmm. ago. So, uh, I'm going to, you know, look at the fight, get to the fight. I actually think the fight scores well. I'm still picking Alir Latifi to win. But this will be one of my most exposed underdogs just because of how he can win this fight. Um, you know, you'll, you will have Alexi Olenek laying on his back with his feet up against the cage, looking like he's dead and like completely tired in between rounds. But he seems to recover better than a lot of these heavyweights. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the ownership and it's a fight that I'm probably going to get to more of that. I mean, it's OK, but I, I just think it scores well one way or another. I basically have it right with the field on both sides. No real lean either way. And I I kind of feel good about that. This isn't the type of fight that I want to take a stand on. I just don't trust it. Latifi's like plus 150-ish to win by TKO or KO. Olenek, obviously significantly better off from a submission standpoint. He's like plus 275, somewhere in that range. 
those are the two primary outcomes. Olenek by TKO, Latifi by submission are both, you know, 10 to 1 plus type outcomes. It's just like a really weird fight between two dudes that have just been around for a while. Obviously, Alexei Olenek been around for a very long time. He is 45 years old yeah. at this point. Doesn't really seem to be like slowing down. I mean, like he's clearly slowing down, but he's not afraid to get in there and scrap with anyone. Yeah, I mean, I love this dude. Yeah, I, I like him as well. And for like, you know, if you had like last man in Alexi Olenek, Francisco Trinaldo, I'm probably going Olenek. I, yeah. I mean, to be honest, just because of a an upside standpoint, even a decision win, a split decision win over Fabricio Verdum, he threw really high volume, landed no takedowns, and still scored 90 points. So like, he's not a bad fantasy play at all. Yeah, you have to recognize what you're getting into when you roster him how he can get flatlined and knocked out within the first round. But if he can survive, he seems to be, you know, not the better minute winner, but it's the, the every minute that ticks off, I really feel like it starts to favor him. Whereas yeah. like Latifi is dangerous early. Agreed. Wow. Alexia Linick hasn't had a knockdown since UFC 213 against Travis Brown. Yeah, yeah, and then he sub, and then he subbed them, and he scored yeah. 138. Like this fight's going to be madness. I'm going to get to this fight, and uh, I mean, he can knock people out. He knocked out yeah. Jared Rochelle pretty bad, but that was yeah. back in 2014. So uh, anything can happen, right? I mean, with his hands, with his just raw power, if that lands on your head, anybody on the planet can go out from it. They're just he's just too big of a man. There's too much meat there. Oh yeah. I can't wait to watch that fight. It, there's a chance that it's shockingly awful. Like Olenek really is at the end of his rope and it's like not the best heavyweight fight, but there's also a chance where these guys just go insane. I yes, love it. sir. And I'm my favorite I'm fight on the it. card in terms of like just old school UFC people. Yeah. This is like a, you know, you and your friends playing UFC and you toss the controller to each other and you randomize your selection and you're like, all right, I guess we got, I guess we got Lear Latifi and you got Alexi Olenek. Let's, let's see who lasts. This could have been a co-main like seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, really could have been. <laughs> all righty. We got to talk a little bit about prize picks presenting sponsor of this show. There is a link in the description of the video. If you click that link, make a deposit at prize picks, they will match it anywhere up to a hundred bucks. So if you've only got $25, then they're going to give you 25 bucks. They will match it there. But you should put in the 100. You want to get the full match. We've got tools at stochastic.com that can help you out tremendously. And you don't have to worry about having an optimizer either. Sorry, Fantasy Cruncher, but you're just not necessary at Price Picks. Mm -hmm. We're picking player props, over-unders, hit five on the same card. You can net up to 10x your entry fee. I have, I got to be honest, I have not messed around with any MMA stuff at Price Picks yet. I'm going to say yet right now, but... There are a couple of very interesting lines out there. Have you had a chance by, I'm just, just curious. Have you looked at anything at prize picks so far? I haven't today, um, but I, I really tend to look at the takedown props. Okay. Um, I, I always look at prize picks because I think that there is an edge. Um, and I, I think that some of the takedown numbers are wrong a lot of times. So I think there's one wrong right here. Do you think That's Mackenzie it. Dern can score a takedown? The line is 0.5. Yeah, well, I'm taking the over on that. Um, if, if she's going to win, she's going to score one. Even right. if it depends on if they if they score a guard pull 
um, a takedown, which is like just getting weird, but I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to hit over every single time. Yeah. Uh, a half takedown for her seems weird. Ilya Latifi is at one and a half that scary ish because he might just get one and then they never get back up again. <laughs> I got my favorite one on the card I'm looking at right now, and it's Mike Davis over two and a half takedowns because despite it being a banger of a striking matchup, I mentioned prior that Slava Claus has a true Achilles heel of his takedown defense. It's a work in progress. I think Mike Davis is going to blend his striking into uh, into his wrestling. He's done it before against a better wrestler in Mason Jones, and he went three of nine in the takedown department. I would like to think that he gets to three here as well. All righty. You heard it here first, everybody. Those are prize picks. Picks for right now. Get in while you can, just so they don't move. Go sign up using the link in the description. We're going to move it on to Jessica Penne and Tabitha Ricci. And uh, this is one of the first fights that I'm getting to where I really just don't have much of it on either side. Ricci, 8,900. Uh, Jessica Penne, 7,300. Both fighters about 25% owned. Obviously, Ricci a bit more likely to be a top six fighter, uh, Penne well below her ownership in terms of top six odds. So that's not a spot that I'm getting to, but what do you just, what do you see in general for this fight? I think people got to be careful with Tabitha Ricci. I have to be honest. Um, okay. I, I think from a on paper standpoint and from a uh, potential standpoint, you would look at Tabitha Ricci where she's at in her career, younger fighter looks to be on the up. Whereas Jessica Penne's best days are probably behind her. But I still think styles make fights. And um, if this is on the feet, I think that Tabitha Ricci kind of pop shot in a little bit. Jessica Penne can throw volume, even if it's ineffective volume. And if Tabitha Ricci goes to the takedown well, as she does in all of her fights, uh, five of 10 against Poliana Viana and five of 11 against Maria Oliveira, I think that plays right into the strengths of Jessica Penne. So it's like, yeah, Penne will be you know welcoming that. And even off of her back, she'll be throwing up dangerous submissions or she'll be looking to sweep. So I, I think that the ground game potential for both of them are some, is somewhat going to be neutralized. But also it's like, if you're going into the strength department of your opponent, you're kind of playing with fire. And I think this could be a situation where like Jessica Penne, you know, picked up a split decision win over Lupe Godinez. I don't think that it was deserved, but um, it just goes to show you that a fighter who has such a dominant ground game in wrestling of Lupe Gudinez still ended up in a very close fight. So I'm, I'm okay with getting off of this fight from a DFS perspective. And I actually think that Jessica Penne could shock some people and win some rounds and make this close. I'm feeling a split decision one way or another. I just am. And you know, my rule, I'm not going to cross off women's MMA underdogs. I'm looking at the ownership and, uh, the odds, it just, it seems a little bit too wide to me. Like, yeah, Ricci should win this fight, but I feel like she should be more towards like a minus 180, not, you know, over 200. It's very interesting to look at the props here. Uh, neither one of them particularly likely to win via strikes, but they have basically the exact same prop lines to win via submission, which is not something you normally see when you have such a disparity in the overall fight line. Ricci to win by decision is minus 115. Penny to do it is like plus 380, but they're both as likely to win by submission. They're both as likely basically to win via strikes. It just seems like 
every single bit of that data is saying, well, I guess we're going to say that Ricci wins this by like boring decision, but it feels like there are paths out there for Jessica Penne at 7,300. The question just becomes, is that going to be a good enough score at 7,300? I think the ownership is really my biggest issue. The fact that she's already in a quarter of the lineups is unappealing yeah. to me. It just based on the the way the betting line is set up, I some something's off. It doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, I I agree with you. Um, I will be probably getting to some Jessica Penay just because of what I said of how I think the fight can go and how it's you know leaning in her strength department. But like Tabitha Ricci's a very skilled jiu-jitsu practitioner as well yeah. which is why i think it could be neutralized which is why i think this fight can be on the feet and be terrible um from a score standpoint dfs score standpoint obviously the ceiling that tabitha ricci has completely outweighs the ceiling that jessica panay has but you know if it's a weird week man you could have a low scoring fighter making it into the optimal lineup i'll probably go elsewhere to be honest i, I just think it's just like a you know proven veteran against a, a you know a prospect if you will and it's just one that i don't think is going to have the best dfs score so i'll be matching the ownership i won't really get to you know more more of it than, than what i'm seeing i mean i agree with you the the ownership is a little heavy on the underdog yeah not that heavy on the next underdog and that is no. the spot that i'm getting to joaquin silva in at 8400 jesse ronson in at 7800 silva about 23 percent owned right now ronson 12 percent owned that's the spot that i'm getting to more than anything else talk to me about this fight how does it stand for you what are you seeing how are you breaking it down i will tell you that from a on paper standpoint you look at jesse ronson and and i'm about to recommend playing Jesse Ronson and, and you're like, how can you recommend Jesse Ronson? If you go to his box score, he's been awful. Uh, yeah. You know, losing to Prezeris, Trinaldo, Kevin Lee, having a win over Nicholas Dalby that was overturned and then losing against Hoffa Garcia, where he looked completely like a fish out of water. Um, and Hoffa Garcia just pushes at relentless pace that, you know, broke Jesse Ronson. Now Joaquin Silva on the flip side is dealing with back-to-back -back KO defeats. So like when he's losing, he's losing in devastating fashion. Um, yeah, Ronson got choked out, but like he's up until that, he lost three split decisions in a row. Very, very tough competition. And I think that this is a leverage spot where I'm like, okay, nobody's getting to Jesse Ronson. I'm over the field. I, I liked him before I saw the ownership. I like him even more now that I see the ownership and somebody has to win in this fight. And I've been picking Jesse Ronson. Here comes the draw. Over, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> goodness. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I guess I did it to us. So, uh, you know, Hafa Garcia, I thought he was going to beat Hafa Garcia, and that was a really, really poor take. But I'm going to stick to my guns here, and I'm going to say that Hafa Garcia is going to beat Joaquin Silva because uh, I don't think Joaquin's going to go to the takedown department as he should. He's only attempted two takedowns in the UFC, one against Andrew Holbrook. He ended up finding the knockout. Uh, he went one of one against Jared Gordon and ended up finding the knockout as well. So I just don't bank on him to do that. And I think if it stays standing that he's alive to get knocked out. So 7,800 Jesse Ronson is going to be a play. I'm going to go over the field on. You can get Silva at about plus 350 for knockout Ronson at plus 420-ish. I mean, that's very, very close to see such little amounts of ownership coming in. This is going to be one of the spots that I have to pay attention to. He's sorted to the top for me. I have an 
overwhelming amount of Jesse Ronson. So uh, not that that's ever fun, but you know, the, the key is basically get your underdog correct and fill it out elsewhere. And you're going to feel a little bit better. It's a lot easier to cheer for the things that are supposed to happen late. Uh, Do I like it? No, not so much, but 23% chance to be a top six fighter, just 12% ownership. That sort of gap is exactly what I'm looking for. It's basically the inverse of Jessica Panay right now, Mm -hmm. where Top six odds, way lower than the ownership. Similar-ish in salary. It's a $500 gap. So that is still a pretty sizable gap. But even still, this seems like the underdog spot I'm going to unless we see major changes in the data. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, after hearing the data now, I feel a little bit better because I was I was leaning in that direction as well. So uh, let's go, Jesse Ronson. I know. Uh, it doesn't feel like... No. That's what's really difficult about MMA DFS. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Because we know what we think is going to happen in most fights. Like there's a reason people are favorites in general, we're probably going to be on most of the favorites, but we have to come on to a show like this and advocate for some garbage because yeah. you don't have, you can't just play as if you have a $75,000 salary cap. Right. I mean, you, you think I would be picking half of these fights if I didn't have to talk about them? No, I would just be targeting the ones I felt safe and secure about. And it's like, you know, we're forced to discuss even some of these garbage plays and even these, some of these, you know, punt plays, if you will. And they're going to come through every now and then. And it's MMA at the end of the day. It's a crazy volatile sport and anything can happen because you have to be perfect. There are so many ways to lose and yep. so many ways for your opponent to just find that one you know, method of victory. So that's why like, I'm okay with getting behind Jesse Ronson this week. If I look like a fool, I look like a fool because where else are you, gonna, are you going to get to on this card? Um, I think it's going to be a crazy underdog card. I think three or more are going to hit truthfully. Um, so I think leaving some salary on the table is going to be a, um, you know, the, the way I go about playing this card. All righty. Let's talk Christoph Jotko and Brendan Allen. Uh, basically a coin flip fight. Jotko is uh, minus 120 here, uh, 8,300 and 7,900. Ownership is uh, a little interesting. Actually, Brendan Allen, quite a bit more owned than Jotko. Um, you know, with it being close to a coin flip, taking that couple extra hundred dollars in salary makes some sense. They've got very similar top six odds. Do you have a lean in this fight? I don't love that Brandon Allen is getting as much ownership as he's getting. We'll see how that changes as we add another one. To me, this is just sort of the fight where I want to just be on the opposite side of the ownership and I don't really have much of a stand for it. It's just with, with these sort of coin flip fights, I just let the data do the talking for me and I get away from wherever everybody else is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't hate that at all because 
I tend to always pick against Christoph Jocko. I just do. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Christoph, but I just always pick against you. Um, I, I think it's because of his lack of, you know, finishing ability. Like he just cannot finish a fight inside the UFC. I mean, he, he finished Tamden McCrory, but outside of that, it's almost, if you think that, yeah, right. Exactly. It's almost <laughs> like, if you think he's going to win, you just bet the decision prop. Um, I think that he's very skilled. He's a good striker. Um, he picked up a win over Gerald Mearshart by implementing effective grappling four or four in the takedown department, avoided some submissions, uh, decent control time. And that's his way of winning. He's well-rounded, but I give him like a B minus in every category. It's just sometimes that B minus outweighs some of these other fighters with their, you know, you know, weaknesses in certain departments. But I actually do think that the play is Brendan Allen, to be honest. Um, he picked up a win over my boy, Jacob Malkoon, who I really thought was going to pick up a win over him. And Brendan Allen got taken to takedown city. Malkoon landed seven of 14 takedowns. So clearly the path is there for Christoph Jocko to find takedowns. But I think the ground game of Jacob Malkoon is better than Christoph Jocko. And even with Brendan Allen getting taken down, he was able to reverse positions in round two and round three to get in top position and end up squeaking out the win. So despite the high volume in the takedown department, Brendan Allen got that win. I think he's dangerous in the submission department. I think he's very dangerous in the, in the striking department as well. So it's just a matter of if he gets wet blanketed from the top position from Chris, Christoph Jocko and doesn't find these reversals. I think he gets it done. I don't know if he scores all that well if he doesn't find the finish, but uh, I'm picking Brandon Allen here at 7,900. It's another underdog I'll get to, um, you know, in the decision win over Jacob Malcoon, which was largely with him on his back. He still scored 82 points. So it's like a decent floor, but we, we want people that are going to get 95 up. And that's really what we want to target, especially at 7,900 garnering so much ownership. I can't believe you name dropped Tom McCrory here. That just a name that I have not heard in such a long time. His like era, so to speak, in the UFC, that was like peak fandom for me. It was yeah. at a time where it was very, it was a lot easier to follow. The cards weren't every single week. You knew basically everybody that was on every single card. You didn't have 900 people on the UFC roster. So I'm just like now looking through McCrory's, you know, <laughs> fight list of Dustin Hazlett type fights, things that I know that I was watching. Akihiro Gono, I'm yeah. like, like that's that's the range for me. Hey, some good good old school fights. And we got Jason in chat saying death taxes and Jocko going the distance. Yeah, he's right. I mean, like like I said, if you think Jocko's going to win, you just bet the decision prop. Um, yeah. and that's the that's the worry is that he's just a better minute winner uh, against Brennan Allen. But I, I'm going to be siding with Brennan Allen at 7,900. All right. We've got three more to go. Uh, not like they're going to be taking the longest amount of time we've hit on uh, most of the main stuff, but let's hit on Sam's super chat that just came in. Uh, Pete, you know what's coming for this question. So I'm just going to read it all off. Yeah. You know where you need to go. Top two for cash GPPs and underdogs favorite inside the distance fights, top fades, upsets, leverage, and optimals over under six and a half. Don't at me. Have a great one. What up, Sam? Woo! Yeah, Sam. Sam's the man. Appreciate your support. You Absolutely. and your thirty. You and your thirty questions. We love you still, Sam. Um, yeah, he really I'll gets say, it. He, one super chat <laughs> is like nine hundred questions. Yeah. It's good. But Sam, but Sam's here every week. Sam is the man. So uh, first, I'll start with the over under six and a half. I'm going over. Uh, I think that thirteen fights, some volatility. I'm saying seven. So um, top two cash. I'm going to go with over Mackenzie under seven. Dern. Is that finishes? 
Yeah, that's that's finishes over on. I, I, I say seven finishes. I'd say 6.3. So that's, you know, seven and six are the two. Most not a bad answers. line then, Sam. Okay. No, not at all. For top two cash, I'm going to go Mackenzie Dern. Just because yeah. of the submission, the five rounds, we think we know how the fight's going to go. She just has potential to, to break the slate. And then I might say, I'm trying to avoid having a terrible, terrible score for cash. I think it's Mike I, Davis. I, I was just going to say that. I want to say Mike Davis. I think I'm going to stick to my guns and say Mike Davis. I agree that it's Dern and Davis. Um, we're on the same page there. I still think Davis is one of the best GPP plays. So I will stick yeah. with him. Um, I think pound for pound, he might be one of the best GPP plays. As far as underdogs, Josh. Ooh. I mean, Jesse Ronson's the person that I'm getting to most. Yeah, I'm going to have to say with Jesse Ronson, man. Blech. And then I'll, I'll say oof, Alexi Olenek. It's an ugly week. It is. Uh, there's not a lot at the bottom that stands out for me. I mean, Jan, yeah. I guess to a degree at 7,100, but already pulling 47% ownership. So it's right. not like you're getting a lot of, you, there's not a lot to gain from that. Exactly. And Sam, for leverage plays, I, I think that Don Shanus is probably, you know, in the, you know, super low, low owned, could be completely forgotten on the slate. I still think he loses, but I think that his odds are better than what they are reflected with his salary and his ownership. Based on the top six odds to ownership, uh, Daniel Santos looks like an interesting leverage play. We'll see where that actually ends up as we get closer to lock. Okay. All right. Did we hit everything? Yeah, we hit everything. Sam, you're the man. Appreciate you as always. And, um, you know, I, I think for GPPs, we also talk about which fights kind of think, you know, I think the Tremon Jones-Barcelos fight is a GPP priority for me, um, as is the Mike Davis-Borshev fight. And that's kind of where I would say those two fights seem like GPP priorities. All righty. Three more to go. We'll move quickly here. Yep. Uh, we've got, let's see, Maxim Grishin at minus 180, Felipe Linz at plus 155. Uh, in this spot, we've got Grishin at 8,500, Linz at 7,700. Uh, pretty similar, oddly enough, in top six odds, 17% and 24%. Ownership, a bit more of a disparity on Linz, uh, only 10% owned. Actually, not the worst idea in the world for me uh, if you're looking to save a little bit of salary just based on the top six odds. What are you seeing for this fight? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm done with Felipe Lins. I mean, he, yeah, got I the, he got the he got the win over over Marcin Pracnio, but like he should have finished Marcin Pracnio, and his his cardio completely abandoned him. He ended up going the takedown well. I uh, went four of eleven. Yeah, he got the win. Round three looked horrible, and I was mm -hmm. very very concerned that he was not going to survive. Um, I think that Maxim Grishin is a tough test for anybody because he possesses decent takedown defense, strong striking. Um, and he's just well-rounded. So I think that Maxim Grishin, 8,500 is the play. Uh, I don't hate a light heavyweight underdog. I just think that Felipe Lins kind of, you know, grabbed the bag in PFL and has not been the same ever since. And I've been a backer of him and now I'm kind of getting off and I'm saying that Maxim Grishin is going to pick up the win over him. The only appealing thing to me is that the odds for TKO KO are relatively close yeah. to each other which gives you your out at 7,700. Mm -hmm. It's the low ownership for me though. At 10%, Linz becomes interesting. If he gets up to, you know, 17, 18, then he's just sort of a guy for me. It won't end up being a stand, but when it's going to be that low, 
that's where things start getting a little bit more interesting to me. We start to see that gap between top six odds. Yeah. I mean, I think that Grisham can survive uh, just because he survived 15 minutes with Jacoby and William Knight. Yeah. Obviously not, you know, those fights, every fight's different. So you can't really have that type of MMA math, but I will say that Linz didn't finish Marcin Bracknell and I view Maxim Grisham in such higher regard than Marcin Bracknell. So uh, give me Grisham here at 8,500. And then we'll close it out with the final fight that we had data for. We have two fights left to talk about, but this is the, the final fight that we actually had before this show started. Randy Costa, Guido Canetti, 9,200 to 7K. Costa, big time favorite here. We haven't talked about a 9K fighter in quite a while since back at Sadiq Youssef. So this is a little bit of a different spot. Big time favorite, 31% ownership coming to Costa, 12% coming to Canetti. I'm getting to a lot of Costa at 9,200. What are you doing with Randy Costa? Who is your preferred Randy today? Well, I'll tell you what, Randy is uh, a friend of mine and okay. uh, Mike, one of my coaches' fighters as well. Um, so naturally, <laughs> I'm going to be rooting and, and cheering for Randy Costa. I think you have to recognize what Randy Costa is. And uh, this is exactly what I would say to him as well. He knows this. He goes out there and he's a banger. And the pacing of his fights is crazy because if he doesn't find an early finish, I think that, you know, fatigue makes a coward of us all. And when you start to get tired, you start to make mistakes. And if your opponent is not nearly as tired as you, next thing you know, you're losing a fight. So it's a volatile matchup. I I think the 9,200 is reflective with his skills but I don't think that he's a trustworthy candidate. If I'm being honest, I, I think that this should be like mid 8,000, mid 7,000 for Kennedy. Um, I'm expecting Randy Costa to go out there and win. I'm hoping he does. He has, he's massive for the division. He hits really hard, but I, I really don't think that anybody can go in there and just lock him in and, and think that he is super safe. He should win this fight, you know, 75% of the time, 100%. I think that it's just we've seen a lot out of him. If he doesn't find the early finish and he's met with resistance, you know, you're a great hammer. How are you as the nail? Can you overcome being the nail in certain situations? And, you know, Guido Canetti is a terribly skilled fighter. Let's call it what it is. He gets finished just as much. Um, But he is coming off a, a decent performance against Chris Moutinho. And if I had to say a sneaky path for, for Guido Canetti is if he could go to the takedown route land two to four takedowns as he has, as he has done in some fights in the past, that's where you can really negate the skills of Randy Costa. So I'll be making a group. I'll have a Homer pick of Randy Costa, but I, I would recommend you guys make a group and uh, get to one of these fighters. Cause this is one of the best fights to target on the entire slate from a GPP perspective. Yeah. Costa like minus minus one forty yeah. to win by TKO or KO. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very, very interesting. And that's what we're seeing in our top six odds, 44% likelihood to be a top six fighter, 31% ownership. We are talking about my most exposed fighter one percentage point ahead of Mike Davis. So, um, th- those are my two most exposed for this moment right now. I think from a, an upside standpoint, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I like Mike Davis a lot because of his price tag. If Mike Davis had a 9,200 price tag, then we could be talking about Costa being the best, one of the best pound for pound values, but because it's, you know, it sits with Mike Davis. I really like Mike Davis a lot. Um, Costa should win here. The UFC wants him to win here. Um, 
and uh, we'll have to see. But I don't expect this fight to go 15 minutes. Well, I hope you're right, given my ownership. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't expect it to go 15 minutes. And if it does somehow, I would I would like to think that Kennedy probably just completely out wrestles Costa for 15 minutes. Let's close it out now. This fight got salaries just before we went live. Chelsea Chandler, Julia Stolyarenko, uh, basically a coin flip fight. And mm. the salaries say the same, 8208K. They were not a part of the data before we got started. So I'm going to bring even less to the table than I do for the rest of these fights. I can quote lines because that's in front of me. None of these gals likely to pick up any sort of major finish. Stolyarenko plus 300-ish to win by submission. Uh, Chandler a little bit more likely to do it via strikes. The opposite sides are not likely. Fight goes to decision a little more than a 50-50 shot. Do you like this fight at all from a DFS perspective now that it's been added? What do you see here? Any leans? Yeah, so I always like the 8,200, 8,000 fight. Just naturally, it helps out my lineups, helps me build uh, balanced lineups in a way. But also, you know, you're targeting that pick em fight. And uh, if you pick correctly, then you could have a, a ton of edge on the entire field. I will say that this seems like a massive step up competition for Chelsea Chandler. Um, relatively green in a way. She's four and one. Uh, aggressively and offensively, she's the superior striker here. I think that Yulia Stoliarenko has improved striking that has developed. Um, the pop and power resides with Chelsea Chandler, but the the best skill set in this entire matchup is Stoliarenko's submission skills. And plus three hundred to her for her to win via submission, I think is a steal because okay. when the fight hits the mat. She is so live to find submissions over everybody. One of the best armbar practitioners out there, kind of like a Ronda Rousey-esque in a way when it comes to that nice judo into the armbar finishes. Um, nobody wants to back Yulia Stoliarenko. I have to tell you, I was pretty surprised when I saw the odds. Uh, I think it's just because people don't you know, have faith in Stoliarenko's skill set. And uh, I don't know, like she can get controlled against the cage for a while. But even if she's on her back, she could pick up a, a submission finish over the purple belt and Chelsea Chandler. No problem at all. It's just, does she get knocked out on the feet? I don't think so. I, I think that Yulia Stolyarenko at 8,200 is going to be a fighter I'm going to get to plenty. Um, it's a, I will be betting this fight. I, I will be betting okay. Yulia Stolyarenko to win via submission just because I think that there's value on that despite how volatile this entire matchup is. Stolyarenko training with the 209, 209 guys and and I don't care. I really think that Stolyarenko has just fought better competition. And you can clearly see that when you go on, you know, go on anything and you dive into their records. Is there anything else for this card that you want to touch on before we get out of here? We went hour 15. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, some of these matchups are just completely disgusting, but we have yes. to talk about them. Um, 13 fights is a lot. Yeah. And 13 bad fights is a lot. So like, <laughs> it's not like we're talking about great fights. So we're trying to really just discuss both sides of it. And, um, this is a GPP card all day. Like, yep. uh, I would not be playing this card in cash. I would probably be just getting, I think a lot of underdogs hit. I really do. So okay. uh, I'm going to be aggressive with the underdogs, despite my beliefs and how I think these fights are going to go. You know, I make a chunk of my lineups based on how I'm predicting. But we also try to, you know, just lean on predictions a little too much. Like, and that's where if you're a 150 max player, 
You can look at our data on stochastic.com, combining that with the fantasycruncher.com add-on. And I really think if you combine everything, you can have a ton of success in MMA DFS. And that's what I plan on doing this weekend. There we go. I can't wait either. I'm, I know I'll be watching it. Uh, I don't have anything else going on this weekend. We are getting the remnants of the the Jason Floyd hurricane. We're just going to get water. So yeah. uh, I'm just going to hang out. It's just going to rain all weekend. I'm not going to want to go out. So I'm just going to sit around and uh, watch some MMA. I can't wait. Yeah, there we go. We got sharks swimming in the streets and Jason's going to be, uh, you know, back on Saturday. So uh, thankfully it seems like everything's good on his end yes, and hoping absolutely. the best for everybody else down there. But uh, yeah, know, crazy it's, times, it's, man. Not ideal. Uh, as someone that lives in a hurricane area, it's not fun when it's coming. It's not fun when it gets here. So best wishes to anybody that's been affected mm -hmm. so far because that it, it's a lot. Uh, I can say it from experience. I've got nothing else to add here. So thank you to Prize Picks for being the sponsor. Make sure you guys are watching MMA Live Before Lock this Saturday. Pete and Jason will be back breaking this bad boy down. But for now, good luck this weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Hit the like button on the way out the door, and we will talk to you again later on. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players. Pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.